Welcome back to another episode of Escaping Gilead. This is for the seventh episode of the fifth season called No Man's Land. This is Paul. This is Caroline. No Man's Land carries a lot of extra meanings in this episode. There's where they are physically, Mm -hmm. but there's also at the end of the episode when Serena says, I want to go home. And, And June says something like, home is wherever you are, meaning like you and the baby. This whole episode having to do with Serena entering her new role as mother and all of that ties into no man treads in that metaphorical land of of motherhood. Yeah, you kept pointing out, you're like, how many men were really in that episode at all? It was a very much a no man's land. Yeah, yeah. It was only when uh, Luke, Team Luke showed up at the end, but all the other men that were in this episode were just sides of their faces, out of focus. No men. (laughs) No men, no men, for sure. So this episode featured some flashbacks that I want to start off with because they help us get into the frame of mind that we need to be in to think about this relationship, this frenemy relationship between June and Serena. And I even want to touch a little bit on Lydia, Paul, in the flashback. I know this is not the focus of this episode at all, but she has been talking a lot about what it was supposed to look like. What were the handmaids? role, what was the interactions they were supposed to be having with the wives, what the important traditions and and ceremonies and the ritual of it all, why that meant so much to Lydia and why she's like trying to hold that together. This was a good reminder to all of us audience members who haven't seen that type of, quote, traditional, remember what it was like back in Gilead, what, what they were trying to accomplish These were like some early day moments here, uh, especially for June. I think we have to touch on that, you know, and and talk about how Lydia really believes in these rituals and how that these traditions and these ceremonies have such great foundational worth in Gilead. And so it helped me think about why she was so offended when Lawrence was like mocking them. That's a good point. I mean, she is wholeheartedly leading her girls through this process and the various prayers and chants and things that to her are super serious. They're as central to her perception of of reality as breathing, it seems. And, And it's what this country of Gilead is founded on, you know, this whole concept of being fertile and bringing fertility back and having these these supportive roles for women. And I know that all sounds crazy. I know. I know it does, guys. And I'm not agreeing with any of it. But you can see where Lydia takes it so seriously and why, thinking back to the last couple of episodes, why it would be so harmful and hurtful to her to have all of the commanders and this even this notion that the commanders don't take any of that seriously. And this was all just kind of a joke to them. The time and place of the flashback is telegraphed a little bit. We have a pregnant Janine, so, mm-hmm. so we haven't done the Putnam baby delivery yet. So we can assume that in the timeline of Serena and June's relationship, I mean, they were never buddies, but things hadn't gotten bad at the Waterford house yet. Serena was willing to say, oh, sorry, we're late. I had to give Fred a pep talk. You know how men are. The Serena, like moving forward from there, would never mockingly talk about needing to lift up her husband like that. You know, like that would have been sacrilege, you know, to somehow act like a commander would need a wife, you know, in order to be able to do his duty, you know. So I feel like, again, you get sort of those early days. Now, there was tons of subtle looks that we got between Serena and June, very small Some I bought as like, yeah, okay. And some I was like, I don't know. Like, don't be revisionist about this. Like, they were never arm punchy pals. There was an an amount of retcon in, like, in order for the rest of the episode to work, we needed to inject or incept a memory of them having some unspoken agreement about the weirdness of the birth ritual ceremony. 
that's hard to absorb because we had the previous flashback where Serena and Naomi Putnam were talking about like, you know, I don't know if I'm going to go in for this handmade situation. And we know that, that there was a chosen handmade between that point and June who committed suicide. Yes. So knowing that it's hard to believe that Serena would be like jokey about handmaids at that point. This is the second handmaid in her house seems like the first thing situation went real tragic and real bad and so it's hard to kind of imagine that she would be real loose about it or even willing to exchange those glances to be fair to bruce and the writer's room there were moments mostly around serena letting her guard down in some way Mm -hmm. where she regarded june as a human being on the same level as her But it was only moments and never knowing glances. And I'm not going to say that this couldn't have happened. I mean, there's times when someone is doing something so goofy that even if you're not friendly, you you could be a stranger that you exchange in a glance with that that you're kind of like half eye roll or you're like, ooh, this person's like so weird. Where you're like having a bonding moment about some third situation that's happening outside of the two of you. Someone that you don't normally have those moments with. Right. But it's so absurd or whatever extenuating about the circumstance that you're in. I like the phrase that you use when you said drop your guard, because I think that that's something that is 100% the theme of this episode where, you know, Serena is put into the situation of being in labor, giving birth and that desperation, that vulnerability. Absolute most vulnerable position a person can be in. Yeah, 100% is why she's going to act the way she does with June. Now, I have a lot of questions I keep using the word frenemy because there's no point in time where I am going to be so tricked as to think that these two can ever be on the same page. It's the scorpion and the frog, right? A thousand billion percent. (laughs) Everyone can use each other, you know, to their advantage and they do have common goals and so they can work together. But at no point in time would I ever want anyone in our audience to think that these two are actual friends. They are not friends. And no matter how much they, quote, help each other, I am classifying that under mercy, not help. You're the uh, the one who has the upper hand in the moment and you choose not to injure the other person. Is that help? Sort of, right? <laughs> but it but it's also, it's really mercy. And so they show mercy to one another throughout and you see moments of that. But I don't think that's nearly the same as looking to help one another. Let's talk a little bit about that flashback scene, Paul, because people who think they know what they would do in a given situation often will say things like, well, if I was there, I wouldn't help Serena. I would just let her die. Mm-hmm. One of the important things that happens in this is we see that both Serena and June have experienced on some level more June because she is actually in the room with of Clarence, the death of a woman in labor. Knowing that and showing us that in the flashback, I feel like that's very impactful to understand why June couldn't make that decision when she's with Serena. The chosen clip to play before this episode included her bodyguard and her getting in the car and June deciding not to shoot her. That prompts the why didn't you kill me outside the information center dialogue. I didn't want to was her answer. But I think you pointed out to me at the time that it's because she was looking at her belly when she mm-hmm. said that. Yeah. Uh, or, I think it was mercy. Again, yeah. mercy. Not helping Serena, just having mercy for the baby in that the, particular situation. The architect of the angel flight is not about killing babies. Right. 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 So you and I have been in life and death situations with babies. And we've had other people who may have made different choices than we made. And oftentimes I think that until you're in the situation and you've lived it, I think that it would be impossible for you to know what it would be like to walk away from someone crying or yelling for help or any of those things, no matter how much that other person had done to you, like if there's anything left in your heart, you still have that instinctual want to save another human life. No matter how much the odds are stacked against you and the situation or how much it's going to make your life worse. Then we should put a pin in that thought. Yes. And compare it to how she does treat Serena later on in the episode and all of that, all, all that goes into going forward from there. 
But I wanted to look backward for a second. Oh, okay. Past the um, flashback? Just back to the previous episode okay. when the audience didn't know that Serena was actually probably in labor for at least half of that episode. Remember the way that Yvonne was acting as Serena? She had she had her eye she had like her, her eyebrows set a lot and she she looked very like like she was trying to just kind of hold it together there, mostly toward the end of the episode when she's asking Ezra to take her. And she's not like physically showing signs exactly that she's experiencing, say, contraction, but she does look like she's going through some physical condition. Okay. Do, do you recall that? I do. I was taking it like she was scared they were going to say she couldn't go. But now it makes a lot of sense, right? It does. That, yeah, that in reality, she 100% could have been, you know, having contractions. Very and, much. And, yeah, and knowing what was happening. It makes sense to me that the stress of the situation, that the fear and the anxiety that she was feeling could have kicked off labor. So whether or not it was like sort of one of those like she was emotionally getting worked up and then managed to kind of throw herself into labor or whether, like you said, she was already in labor. And so that kind of started the distress of like, ah, I got to get out of here, you know, because otherwise I'm going to end up strapped up in that birthing room if anyone figures out I'm in labor. If we get a chance to ask Bruce about that, maybe we'll find out like what came first? Did she figure out that she wanted to leave, but then went into labor, but went into labor or went into labor and she's like, I got to get the F out of here. And so she cooked up the, I need to go to the execution (laughs) plot. I always just assumed it was the, you know, this was the, the crack in the door, you know, for her to be able to, to get out of there. And, you know, the one time when she would just be like one-on-one with Ezra, who they have, you know, formed this repartee that, that he is carrying towards her and would not be sort of like uh, on edge with her at all, you know, would allow her to participate at whatever level she wanted to, like allow her to shoot the gun, you know? For people keeping up, Ezra, Shaw, and the bodyguard are all the same man. Ezra Shaw is the bodyguard. Because I know, like, we were calling him Shaw the whole time. That's really where I wanted to leave it. But then, you know, once Serena kept calling calling him Ezra, then I'm like, well, I guess we better switch over to Ezra. I have to say the of Clarence scene, it really did hit my heart. I mean, they did a good job of really, like, sending that message of what is the role of this woman, especially in this this Gilead society, you know, is it is it enough that she was the quote vessel? The oh, you guys, because I'm thinking of Esther and where we are now with her, and thinking about the fact that they were going to harvest her uterus, and the show has so many layers, you know. I mean, the tearing you away from your family, and you know, losing your children, and now you're living in someone else's house and stuff. But then to be treated like you are just this incubator. You know, like to the point where we could just knock you out with this little mask, which, Paul, what did you think that mask was? Because it wasn't hooked up to anything like actual anesthesia. Yeah, I thought it was just like chloroform, like they do in the spy movies where they just put something over your mouth. And apparently in the spy movies, that is a gross exaggeration of how fast chloroform would work, how they just like... How like, you know, Buffalo Bill comes up behind you and puts it on you and then just like in one breath, you're all of a sudden knocked out. Apparently it takes a lot longer than that. Yeah. It'd be a lot strugglier than that. In the case of the of of Clarence, I mean, obviously she was bleeding everywhere and she was already already, yeah, very exhausted. And so maybe it would have only taken a couple of good breaths. But then, of course, this impromptu C-section and the fact that they were just willing to let her die. Like, there was no attempt to save her life at all. And I think that's the key what I just said. There was no attempt to save her life at all. And having lived through that, both Serena and June sets up this entire framework of the barn. Are you going to really have no attempt at all to save this other person's life? It's kind of wild how I, I keep going back to comparisons to game of thrones Mm. when i think of handmaids because of the brutality of the sort of like even though there are all these gray people living there's really a sort of black and white judgment that's set upon all of them and it always comes down to life or death and in house of the dragon the so far this season there's been two spoiler 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 if you haven't watched or you are watching please pause for two minutes speed ahead there's been two mothers that were giving birth and it was left up to the husband to say we can lose them both or we can save the kid but the mom's a goner either way so some of those things i can appreciate like in the case of of clarence because of their refusal to use medical intervention and in the case of say 
any of the Game of Thrones or, or House of Dragon shows where we're just not of the time, you know, when they have this, you know, our current modern level of technology. It's not like they're making as cruel a choice as it's making it sound. In one way, it's like they couldn't save the mom. They don't have the technology or they couldn't save both the mom and the baby. Now, it's the de- that decision making where you say, like, say, in the case of, of course, let's stay with Handmaids. They have the technology. They right, just choose. Obviously. We have it now. They don't choose to use it. This is in the future. Right. From now. So. They don't choose to use it. So that's the cruelty. They can. They just opt not to, you know. Well, I don't so, know about, I don't know a lot about childbirth, but isn't there a point where like a C-section is a safe thing to do at a certain point? But if you've been going through natural labor for so long and then all of a sudden decide to do a C-section, isn't that more traumatizing to everybody involved? I I would have to think so. I mean, I am not an OBGYN either. No, no. no, Turns out few credits shy. Um, (laughs) I uh, but yeah, of course. I mean, I think anything where you are putting stress on both the mother and the baby for an extended period of time and then you decide to cut open the mom. I mean, I think, yeah, obviously that's got to be a lot more trauma than if you walk in with your suitcase and they put the IV in and they plan it all out and you quietly, you know, have have a C-section without any, you know, emergency, surely that's got to be less stressful on everybody. But it's so important that we had this scene. Again, going back to those people who would say, I wouldn't help Serena. I don't care what was going on. You have to have lived through the of Clarence flashback and really absorb how horrified June was to watch another woman die in childbirth to understand her motivation and that foundation of I can't let that happen to another person not on my watch not when I have the ability to at least try that's reasonable you know I mean now one of the things I find funny in all labor scenes and I have to ask you because you and I are lay people. I was just joking about the OBGYN credits. I got none, people, none. I've been adjacent to a few births. I have got to tell you that the concept of like, I need to check your cervix or I need to put my hand somewhere and feel the head boggling to me. Like I am a lay person. What am I, what am I doing? What am I doing with this information? If I feel up there and I'm like, well, you know, okay. So there, maybe you were out of it, but there were people that did that to you. Yeah, but they're medical professionals. Well, if they Who can, know what things thing. feel like. If, well, I think she knows what a cooch feels like. No, you can't. And she knows what a head feels like. And if she feels head, we're a lot further along than than we thought. And what are you doing with this information? I guess it's time. It's go time. But it was go time the whole time. Is what I'm trying to say. So what? She pulls out her what? <laughs> like she like. There's nothing else to do. It's just a funny thing that they do in all TV shows everywhere. You Most know, we water, were just right? we were just watching a TikTok where the where the girl like fakes to be in labor and she's like telling her dad he has to look, look at what <laughs> it's like unless you're a medical professional what is looking going to do you know like i don't know i just think it's funny obviously don't make me do what he says yeah he's like screaming he's like please please i don't know please it's so terrible <laughs> she's just pranking him but but the thing is she's already laying on the ground it's not like look it we're gonna run we're gonna run until the baby's head is at a certain point so i gotta check you right there's that no we're gonna lay on the ground in the barn so what is the information going to do? You're just going to continue to lay there. Well, maybe, you know, I'm maybe June saying, was going to go do some other things, you know, gather. I guess. I don't know what. In her uh, head. Maybe she could. It would have been good. We could throw that in. Let's throw that in. We'll say she wanted to go deal with the car. Mm-hmm. And so maybe she thought it would be important to know if the baby was like right there right before she goes there. and starts dealing with the car tire. Right. We'll go with that. But do you agree with me that this is a common thing we see on TV shows where someone's got to figure out how dilated you are? And I want to be like, do you have any sense of what 10 centimeters dilated even is for one? And for two, what are you going to do? <laughs> like nothing. You're just like, OK, now we know. I know. And this is all, you guys, um, I should have said this at the beginning. This is all outside of a medical facility. Obviously, in a medical facility, they know what stage of labor you're at. It wasn't even a medical barn. No, no, it wasn't. (laughs) I don't think there was any sterilization of anything, in my opinion. (laughs) But you know what I mean? Like, if you know what stage you're at, then different medicines can be given. If you know what stage you're at, you know, different, maybe even positioning that might help or something like that. If you're a medical professional 
if you're just June, you're just feeling Serena Scooch is the point. <laughs> and that part, I think, is, I think if I was Serena, I would have done the exact same thing. I would have kicked her. I wouldn't have yelled, you're trying to kill me. But I would have kicked her and been like, you don't know what you're doing in there. Get out. There is no point. And in fact, as a layperson, I would, if we had a discussion about it, I would say, I'm pretty positive we're just introducing germs into a more sterile environment. There's no reason for me to put my muddy hands inside of you right now. Like that actually doesn't make any damn sense. Well, here's a question, Mark. In the sequence where the births are happening with uh, Janine several seasons ago and of Clarence in this episode, and who is actually there to catch the baby? Is it Lydia? Is it another handmaid? Is it one of the wives? Well, my best guess in the case of, of Was there Clarence, a man I didn't see? Well, there, I mean, that doctor, those doctors came in after the fact, but I don't, I think that it would have probably been maybe some combination of Lydia and those, those, there was a, there was a doctor kind of person, kind of, who ended up doing the C-section, like when they brought in like the screen. Yeah, there were some people in white. Ungloved guys. Yeah, ungloved, you guys. They were in white coats. Um, now, whether or not that <laughs> meant them, they were doctors, I am sus. Because if you guys remember, one of the big things was... People who were doctors beforehand, remember the women, like th like some of them were like a doctor and then they were like a Martha or they were like, remember, like, yeah, there was, yeah. like, so maybe that even happened with the men. I don't know. Maybe they just were like, I'm actually an orthodontist, but like now all we do is focus on birth. So I deliver babies, you know? Yeah, yeah I'm sure. His credit's transferred. <laughs> <laughs> Truly it does. <laughs> Okay, so I have to, let's talk about the kind of Oscar Felix dynamic between Serena and June when this car riding portion starts off this episode. There were very charming moments of back and forth with the two of this episode. Now, there were other moments that were like, I did not like. Okay, but hit me. I want to hear, like, give me some charming moments first. When June is trying to get Serena into the barn. She says, maybe there'll be a manger, as if, you know. Right. Yes. But even Serena, like, double takes her, like, you bird, you know. That's a very funny line. <laughs> right. Agreed. Agreed. There was there was other little moments, like, June tells Serena that, you know, the baby looks like Fred, and that babies often look like their father, because that's survival, right? That that uh, in evolution, the babies who look like their fathers get to live, and the ones that don't, the fathers kill. You told me the same thing. Uh, it's true, though. Especially when our, our son did not resemble me in any way. He looks just you, like me. You brought it up again. <laughs> it's yeah. like a, ha-ha, isn't it funny that those apes used to do that? <laughs> <laughs> and also, don't kill the little one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there were, there were very good moments. I also thought it was actually kind of, it felt a little like Elizabeth Moss, like breaking character a little when she grabbed for the gun and she goes, give me that. Because she says it in this funny Well, because Serena's voice. like waving it around and she's and like she having contractions. Stop it. <laughs> no one needs to hear that. God sakes. But okay. So all those things I thought actually were really good and worked well to push down people's like hackles about Serena because she did just give up the gun. She just handed it over and she did go go to the barn and she did all did all the things. So you kind of had this sense of like, oh, this is like a new and improved Serena. Now, Paul, are you one of these people that are getting sucked into this? Like, we can trust Serena because, look, she's like this Earth mom who now has had a baby. And so she softened up. She's still the scorpion, I'm afraid. Depending on your point of view, in the scorpion and the frog or turtle, whichever whichever animal it is, it helps the scorpion. No, it's the, the scorpion. It could be either one is, is either if you're team Serena or team June. Okay. But I think... Yeah, she when she gets her bearings, I don't I don't know I don't know what to expect given the way this What the, do you mean you don't know what to expect? You really well, don't know Serena at the end of the day. I know what they want us to start thinking given the way that they ended in June's sort of torn between uh, you know, I was on team Luke a second ago, but now I went through this major thing with this other mom mm -hmm. and I share this momness with her. So what do I do? So I'm right there with where they want me to be. Okay, so you're actually, but you're like looking at the writers. Or what? Look at yourself. Like, why mm -hmm. Why are you getting drawn into that? When you know who Serena is as a character, they have shown you for five seasons now who she is as a character. Why are you getting sucked in? Because they made June get sucked in. This is where I'm disagreeing between helping and mercy. Did June get sucked in? 
did she did she truly June, help because she thinks Serena is a good person? No, no. But, but she took June to the hospital. She's, no, she took Serena to the hospital. Sorry, you're right. June took Serena and baby yeah. Noah to the hospital. Right. They're momentarily separated because of just normal things. Right. It was actually funny the way that Serena was very nervous describing the jaundice and the fever and all these things. And you and I have had kids and it was almost like we were there sitting with her. And I was thinking, that's all normal shit, Serena. I filled in the blank when she goes, he can't keep his, and I go, temperature. And then she goes, temperature. <laughs> and I was like laughing. I was like, yep, that's exactly why you go when to the June NICU. also said, and that's very normal stuff. Yeah, and I yeah. was thinking the exact same thing. Okay, but so I think people are going to blame writers. And what I'm trying to say is blame your own little sappy hearts. You're the one that is seeing a relationship between these two characters that I don't think the, char- the, the writers wrote. I think they wrote... A woman like June saw another woman of Clarence die in childbirth. She has experienced horrible things. And she herself is going through the loss of her own child away from her. And so every part of what you see her do is based on her value system. Not loving and caring Serena. She doesn't give more of a shit about Serena because of all this. She's just living by the actual same principles that moms should be with their babies their own babies. She does all those steps, but I don't think she, any part of what they wrote is like, because I think Serena is a good person or I want to be her friend or I want to, or I want everyone to have a soft spot for her. I think we're agreeing. I was getting to something like that before I lost my train of thought, which was that she recommended going to the hospital and then she called Luke. So in a way she created not intentionally, but still kind of created the situation where mom is separated from baby. Both are now separated in, in separate organizations' custody. And so June might be feeling like, well, I mean, I don't like her, but I didn't mean to fuck her up either. So I agree with that wholeheartedly. I might need to try to fix that. No, wholeheartedly. No, I agree with that. The, the thing is, is that people are seeing, audiences are seeing or feeling, I will even say, because of plenty of that, we've we've read plenty of, you know, audiences' responses thus far of like having this, quote, love-hate relationship with Serena. And I'm saying there ain't no love and there <laughs> never was. You're being confused because she's showing compassion and mercy. And she says, turns out I'm a better Christian than you are. So none of this is about these two becoming friends. None of this is about Serena becoming a better person. She is not any different. And I think stuff like seeing her kick June and say, you're trying, you're trying to kill me. I foresee the second that she gets her strength back, she's going to be the same roaring lioness that she's always been. Yeah, I agree. So in that case, like people with the love hate talk, I'm kind of yeah, like, like smiling at them and saying like, they're never, there's no love. She's calling for June because She's the only person who even knows that Noah's alive or yeah. that Noah exists. And and she's been helping her for the last hour or so. So I mean, I would I would be calling for her name also were I her. See, I'm I'm hesitant to use that word help, and I know you just said it very just easily, like without really thinking of it. I don't think she's trying to help Serena. I think that she's just not willing to let a woman die in the wild. She does an excellent job of reminding on the audience of her birth with Nicole in the house alone and that idea that no one would even know that she or the baby ever existed. They wouldn't look for them, that they would have just died out there. She has got so much baggage on the inside that is about, I wish someone had come for me. I wish someone drove me to the hospital. This isn't about helping Serena. This is about righting wrongs that happened to June. And that feels really different than how audiences are sort of like, God, sometimes I just want to really be on Team Serena and be like cool with her. And then all of a sudden I hate her again and I realize she's a jerk. She's a jerk. (laughs) (laughs) Big, bold letters. She's a jerk and she's never going to not be a jerk. The only time that I think is even remotely we could pause and stare at is what do we think about this whole conversation about her saying, what if I give you Noah? 
What if I'm just supposed to be the vessel, which is, of course, this callback to of Clarence and just being the vessel. So basically, let me die. You take Noah. And then Noah can kind of be anonymous and be raised by Luke and somehow not have to carry on the Fred Waterford, you know, mess behind him. Without being uncharitable for a podcast that is listened to by 70 to 80 percent women. I have to say that post-birth, postpartum, whatever, a woman's mind is not the exact same as it is all the other days of the year in terms of like how they think, how they see things, how they react to things. Okay, so let me step in right there and say I don't think that is being uncharitable. I think it's fair to say that the rush of hormones and the rush of just exhaustion for her, you know, all the adrenaline would be like leaving your body and you would just start getting just like limp. Like she didn't even realize she slept. You know, like she mm -hmm. said, I'm going to try to sleep in there like you did. I don't think you're wrong. And I understand what you're saying because I'm not trying to be flip about it. No, not at all. I mean, survival of the baby has got to be the number one thing she's thinking about. And what is the best shot at him having a good life? Right. Mm -hmm. So, again, because we know 80 percent of you guys are probably women. I don't want you to to jump on Paul for for saying that. I think it's absolutely 100 percent accurate that you definitely would have the, the most vulnerable moments post-birth about how you're feeling about being a mom and whether or not you can do it, like whether or not she can even, that's what I was getting at. The you know, fear have a place was driving most of that comment, mm -hmm. seeing the strength that June is projecting. And meanwhile, she's at her, if she's normally a 10 of the lioness, she is 0.5. Yeah. You know? She's just depleted, you yeah, know, exactly. And so at this point, I mean, she understands the fear of the wheelers, which I have to talk about that for a second. You guys, the name The Wheelers tapped into this really crazy place for me. This is this is a very Gen X thing, but yes. It totally does. Do you guys remember Return to Oz and there was The Wheelers, which were essentially kind of like the flying monkeys. They were sort of, yeah, they were henchmen. Yeah, only they had wheels on their, for hands instead and they had these really long appendages and they like they were real menacing. So anytime she was like, the wheelers, it would like hit this part of my heart. Where I was like, oh, the wheelers, like the wheelers are so scary. Because they were always chasing Dorothy. Yes. And just harassing and, and trying to snatch Toto. And that scene where the wheeler ooh. falls onto the sand that turns yes. him into sand is still like a very horrific <laughs> image Return in my mind. Us in general is a scary ass movie. But the wheelers, when she says the wheelers and, and like that, she's, she has to keep him away from them. Oh, so much you guys tapped into. And again, she never really explains that much to June. Like there's a lot of exposition at the beginning of this episode where June's like, where are you taking me? What is going on? Are we going to Gilead? Who's chasing us? What are you talking about? There's a lot of that that goes on. And I don't know that the majority of those things really get answered because while she discusses the wheelers, like the fact that, again, they go to the hospital, they don't, they never say a name, right? They never like, they don't like outwardly to us. They're not like, this is John, you know, Joan Jetson or whatever, you know, like, <laughs> they never like say a name of like who she is. So we don't know if they tried to bring her in with like a fake name or anything. I kept saying Serena and June. So. Exactly. And so I, in that regard, I'm like, well, then I really feel like Serena messed up by not saying more to June about like, or even not protecting her own self to say like. A code name would have made sense. I need to check in under a different name. I can't right. go in as Serena Joy Waterford. Jarena Soy <laughs> Fodderward. Exactly. <laughs> something something like Dorothy Sporna yeah. something where you know she she can be a little bit more anonymous of course Luke blew that up anyway but let's talk a little bit more about the elephant in the room with old Fred because that is how some of this conversation kind of went a little like ree, ree, like the baby's looking like their dad cool but also like this whole conversation of like who should raise him and why the wheelers shouldn't get a hold of him and like all the like Gilead values could be on him or they don't have to be and this wonderful guy luke who we were all kind of snickering i think of like what like <laughs> to be honest with you he's really only raised like one kid for a couple of years and then that one got snatched and then this other one got came into the sitch and like seems like moira and rita are pretty much raising that kid a lot so what do you think what, what do you think about this whole like would would her not wanting him to be like fred be a good motivator to get out of here so complicated with these two, if you were taking score, 
you know, and you're in this room where you're the delivering, barn or, yeah, the yeah, barn where you're delivering this baby with this woman that both had sex with your husband and killed your husband. Because that was that was a huge elephant in the room. She didn't say you killed him, but she did say I always imagined him being here when the baby was born, and it was like such like a moment because you had to be like awkward. Except well, you tore him limb from limb. There's an argument for like the any port in a storm, right? If she's so scared of the wheelers. Mm-hmm. This June thing was that one port. On the other hand, if that's not true, if that or if that doesn't have as much sway over her motivations, then it almost creates like this tacit like he wasn't a great guy, actually. Mm-hmm. So him as a father, I mean, I don't want necessarily to have a fatherless child, but I mean, uh, I'm okay with it either. I lean a lot toward that, actually, because of her her I her fear that that some influence of fred will seep in that just genetically maybe he'll turn out like fred so you got to separate him from that completely i'm living in the gilead society though is going to produce him as a commander as opposed to you know being subservient right and so i mean you have all of that i mean what did you think of the whole angel speech and and you know the idea that that june was the angel that came to them bullshit i said this before i don't know where serena's buy-in to the Gilead quote-unquote religion and all that I don't know how firmly entrenched that is in her in her soul I know that she was a famous conservative author before the change the ideals of Gilead came from a lot of her own personal philosophy but even with that we know that she was very much kind of fame seeking you know Mm -hmm. as as opposed to just someone that quietly wrote her books that just all of a sudden became popular she liked to be in the middle of the controversy she got shot for being in the middle of the controversy right Mm -hmm. all that is a great way that the writers have created this this conflict in my mind where i have no idea where she truly her heart if you just nailed her down and were like tell me the truth like do you believe in this shit or not I think she believes in this shit. Uh, okay. I do. She, right. I mean, I really do. Because in that moment when she's talking about the angels and all that, it's it's still that that post birth. Yeah, but this is but this is her. I mean, this is her at the core. You know. Okay. I mean, I think so. I think that I agree with you. Like postpartum stuff, I I agreed with you on some of that. But I think that when you go into this like angel speech, like here's my here's the joke of it. In my head, I'm thinking. You're going to give this baby over to June. And if June walked off with it, this if you lived, if Ezra were to have found you and brought you and you got healthy, you would seek June like a heat-seeking missile <laughs> Absolutely. to get that baby back. Yeah. And you would claim she stole it. You would claim all this stuff. Took advantage of you. Mm-hmm. So then, no, dude, at the end of the day, this is just talk, you know? This is just the, she's such a grade-A manipulator. And I give the the actress tons of credit for coming across with enough sincerity and having enough heart and and being someone that you you want to root for on some level because you don't necessarily you know just want June to lop her head off in the barn after the baby's born because she could have mm-hmm. she had a gun she could have taken the baby shot Serena walked away driven the car left you know and that would have been it. So she doesn't do any of those things. And Yvonne, like we said, like she just does a, she does an amazing job of trying to pull on your heartstrings. My eye, though, is clearly on the Serena is a jerk prize. <laughs> she is not going to ever not be an asshole. <laughs> so the end on all, all right, of that. I'll, I can go with that because if she has these core beliefs. I just think she does. She's like maniacal about some of that stuff where you're just like, like at the last second, she'll just like come up with something. You're like, are you for real? Like, Cut it out. I mean, she's going around with her prosthetic pinky. It's interesting. You know, when push came to shove, she knew because she had just lost the pinky. Right. And she knew that Holly slash Nicole would not have had the life she wanted in Gilead. She sends her off does right but now that she has a boy things are a little like well and it's her and fred's which is which is a lot different than june giving birth to nicole this is different Mm -hmm. so i mean i think this is this is a different scenario so it's a lot you guys i'm just saying like they did a good job i think for the majority of audience members for you to really feel that push and pull 
And I think if you are someone who's watched this whole time, you know, it's really easy. It's like it's like something about the barn scene was like a love song or something. It's easy to get sucked into the lyrics, into the dialogue of it all, into the into the rawness and the vulnerable nature of this woman helping this other woman. And when the love song ends, I hope that you hear that record scratch that goes like, like it's June and Serena. <laughs> they're not in love. They're never going to be friends. This was a beautiful way to package it, but they're not ever going to be anything better than frenemies, nor should they. Both of them should always have their back. And if you don't want to listen to me, June's words when she says to Tuello, because like I'm going to have to paraphrase this part, basically like she is a manipulator and she is she can do so much more like you are underestimating her. And that's what I want to say to anybody who's looking at her as like sort of this mother figure, you know, having given birth in the in the barn and all this stuff like she is so much worse <laughs> than we're all remembering. And remember, the second she gets her blue dress back on and gets her her feet under her and maybe there'll be a different color dress they get they allow her to wear. I think she's going to find traction for jerkdom once again. So <laughs> did you enjoy the callback of the do you understand me biz? No, I don't think you should overuse that kind of thing. And, okay. And in that moment, June already had the complete upper hand. She could have actually taken the baby at that point. That's how in control she was at that moment. I mean, June is a very severe person when it comes down to it. She and, is. But that felt like a, a step further than I think June would have taken that moment. Well, so the do you understand me though this time was not said in a harsh way. She, It's like she was taking back the do you understand me. It's like the do you understand me from Serena to her and then her to Serena the first time, the first two times were in these really stern, strict voice. But this time it was like a do you understand me? Like it was like she was is like trying to like take it back to a place of but like it's just like call nicer. back ping pong. Does it, does Serena owe her a serve I, I, now? Later, does she owe, owe you a do you understand me? Yeah. She does obviously owe her a do you understand <laughs> me? Um, but the question mark is I don't think it will be a nice do you understand me? Jerks don't say nice things. Jerks don't say nice things. That's yeah. not how jerks work at all. Let's talk about how Luke worked when they got to the hospital. Were you chortling at all when he was like kind of listing off the violations that Serena Joy had uh, had? I mean, in the previous couple of podcasts, I think I shat upon um, Luke's desire to go to color within the lines in order to catch Serena with his building code violations and shit and how that made things worse in that moment because they couldn't find Serena. And now... It created some drama at the end of this episode by having him do the same thing. Catch her, catch her up in some sort of it's like you bureaucratic, know, yeah, passport tape. related mumbo jumbo. Yeah. In the moment, we're like, but we're in the middle of this saving the baby uh, this love, love yeah. song, right? Yeah, and so we're supposed to look at Luke like, come on, oh, what'd you do that for? But you know, this is actually what he was doing the whole time. He's like, I want. To do it what they were officially. both doing yeah. what they were both doing i mean you know she june brought a gun you know to, to the place and he brought the rule book you know and then now she she was like wanting to have this like more quiet mercy moment and he was still waving his rule book around and he had just gotten tossed out of the back of a pickup truck mm -hmm. from some gilead sympathizers so i got beaten up like two seconds yeah, before that. so i'm sure he's not you know he's still smarting from, from uh -huh. that I think you're 100% right on that front. And also, they were on the same page. I mean, we had that whole lovemaking scene where they were like finally on the same page and they were finally how she was grinning at him that he was like willing to go off into the woods and willing to go get Hannah. Like she was like, he finally like is the man that, you know, I want him to be kind of thing. And now they slipped off the page again. We said there was a lot of closure last episode. Now it feels like wounds again, wounds about he did things that she didn't, she wouldn't have wanted to do. Tell me if I'm going too far. Okay. The last couple of episodes, we have seen Serena get drawn into a very June-like position by, as she admits, becoming a handmaid, becoming you, right? Yeah. If you recall the backstory with Serena and Fred, I just mentioned with her getting shot, there was a lot of him being a pretty weak guy her basically administrative assistant for a lot of her career. Mm. And then all of a sudden she's like, I don't remember the exact situation, but it was like, you need to step up. There was like a man up like mandate. And all of a sudden he's like killing guys out in the woods 
and that all of a sudden solidifies him with the other men that would become commanders. He's a big deal all of a sudden. This is way back, you guys. Way Paul, back. Paul is reminding you of way, way back when we found out about like the origin story of Serena and, and Fred. Yeah. So I'm wondering if they're if they're stitching together a little switcheroo in the uh, parallels here okay. that aren't exactly running parallel in story. Well, in pace, the bigger story, in but the yes, larger story, right? Where Serena becomes June a little bit now, maybe the other way around. Maybe June is having a little bit of Serena story where her her man is stepping up in unexpected ways. Mm, okay. So because you think that Serena is going to be cast in the position of a handmaid, then that puts... Metaphorically, not for realsies, but yes. Okay. I'm willing to say for realsies. I think that there's a fair shot that if you have a fertile woman, I, I don't see how she's not, and she's not going to be able to be a wife. I don't you know. You think they're going to ship her back? Be like, yeah. I think that the story calls for a harder comeuppance for her. It won't. Colonies! What? I said colonies. Colonies. Okay. I was like, colonies? What? <laughs> Paul has a friend named Anise. So I was like, colonies? What? <laughs> okay, no. So so go back. So then Luke, you have Luke and June, where you have Luke having been a, a much more calm, much passive. more passive, yeah. right, partner. And she, and June very much, you know, leading the way. And she, she berated him quite a bit throughout, you know, really biting at him about, you know, you need to be harder and, and tougher and you need to step up more as he's stepping up just like it bit serena in the ass once fred and the other men that they had been telling step up be a leader lead the family do all these things command the world once they started commanding they didn't like the world that they had built and very much i think you're right like just in this little tiny microcosm you're seeing june stare at luke like with horror like you caused this like yes Think about it. I mean, that's a lot of the same face that Serena, you know, was having when she was having that horrified face when she's realizing like... She's been locked out of the room. Yeah. Where the men were making the decisions. Yeah. I was even thinking back further, like back to like when they were taking that tour of like the kids being locked up and stuff. And there was a lot of like, oh, like what did, what exactly did we do here? Yeah. Unintended consequences and or bearing the fruit of like reap what you sow here, right? Like, mm -hmm. and you've been like sowing this. That these men should be these like leaders of like with this these iron fists and then when they start to do it there's like this real backlash of like wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute what are you doing what are you doing that's too much that you're being too loud you're being too there's much there's no take backs now i think you can see that there can't be a take back when it comes to serena joy i you know she's really locked out mark now do you think tuello has a shot of coming in here and saving serena's i think i think june will reach out there was nothing else that she they needed from her and she kind of told them to piss off and she didn't kind of i mean she most definitely <laughs> was like that's the thing though like she burned that bridge yeah. in a lot of ways but the question mark is it permanently bridged i'm sorry it's not permanently bridged is it permanently burned or can she come to him and ask him for help i mean mark likes her mark does like her and he that matters if he hears the love story song he might start going back that way. Let's start for one second because I've written all over my notes from last episode concerning Tuello about that USB. Remember we were talking about Jaden had that USB that he gave to Luke and June and we were like, I wrote on our notes from last episode and we didn't talk about it because it didn't come up again. Because those Wheeler assholes never checked them for anything? I know. I'm confused on that front. Like, well, what, do I mean, they, what do they call it in, in jail when you hide things up your butt? Is it your, <laughs> your jailhouse wallet? Why would I know that? <laughs> painful i don't know maybe that's yeah maybe. i would think it's painful but, but so but yeah we didn't they never got searched not and and or maybe i don't know i don't know what happened but somehow it's what was confirmed in this episode is that that usb made it to tuello luke got it to mark and so now there's some information that could be on that that is that i think is going to hopefully give somebody some information whether it i mean it would be great if it would be about hannah don't know, but even if it just explains like any of the planning that's happening in Gilead, maybe it can world build a little for us as an audience as they reveal some things that maybe are on that USB. Maybe they'll find out about Lawrence's New Bethlehem New plan. New Bethlehem would be great. That would be awesome. I mean, even just some ideas of like, they seem to not know where things are. Like whenever there was like that whole thing of um, like, well, where is Hannah being kept? Like if it even had any schematics maps anything of like where things are i don't know what canada would be willing to do with this information 
But even from a world building sense, if it could help us as the audience understand better of like, like basically, like where is everything? Where are the towns? Where are the people? Where is the population centers and stuff like that? Because we really don't know five seasons in where everything is. We know about Boston. That's about it. But that's really about it. So I hope there's a little bit more. Now we have this detention center situation. And I do think that this is uh, one of those times when the show is taking a real life scenario like jail or even detention centers and the fact that they don't have infant care and how these kids end up getting into the CPS system. I actually saw a a documentary basically um, in Bentonville, went to the film festival over the summertime. and The Gina Davis. Yep. And they had... A woman there who she was the child of uh, of a of a woman who has who was in jail when she had her. She explained the system and like what happens and how kids are separated from their moms, like the impossibility of getting your life back on track in any kind of form or fashion once that split happens at birth. Just how much it it messes up everything for both of those two people, the baby and the mom. So I think that the, to me, uh, Bruce, if you're listening, to me this is one of those things where I feel like I could feel the research there. You know, I could feel them like looking at systems and seeing like times when this is what really happens to mothers and kids. I mean, we saw some of the detention center stuff, um, we thought, but those were diplomatic. Well, that was the international court. Right. This is Canadian uh, immigration. Right. So this is going to look different to us. And so that question about Mark, they might be like, fuck off. Still, the main thing we need to understand is that she's not going back to those diplomatic environments you know she's she's going into some other detention center kind of situation and maybe it will open people's eyes to the fact that there is no child care and what are those people supposed to do it is a diplomatic thing the, it is the commander lawrence is probably gonna have to somehow save her bacon yeah. and she's gonna be like i'm not gonna go back with the wheelers and he i'm on to you about the wheelers <laughs> well on to who though i don't even know if lawrence is in on the wheelers or if lawrence even realizes what the wheelers are up to or what putnam dead yeah, I'm maybe, not sure. Maybe Lawrence, I mean, Lawrence, they, he'll be a jerk on the phone because that's what he does. But maybe he'll help her later. And he's going to want something from her. They're all manipulating one another. So oh, yeah. there's something that he's going to have to take from her. And I'm not sure what. I have to say the final scenes of Serena screaming and screaming for June and just the screaming while she's being like handcuffed to the bed. Huge flashes to Esther screaming, handcuffed to the bed, screaming her head off. And uh Oh, just gave me chills. Like just the all the parallels that they are drawing, um, especially because when it's happening to Esther in what we consider this like cruel, torturous land of Gilead, and then I think what I'm I can say safely, they're showing this to be in a first world country with good medical care and everything modern and everything what we would consider typical, right? And she's being handcuffed to the bed and screaming in the same exact way. I think we're supposed to see, like, if you think it's better because you're not in Gilead, think Mm. again, women. This is Caroline. And this is Paul. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Five stars help us out the most. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you. Pod Clubhouse.